Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. The final test and the big reveal. You know, we, we are now at a time where people love big reveals. And there are, it's, it's, it's in big reveals, and, and it's usually around the, the birth of a child, um, the big reveal, and everyone is excited, and the celebrations are becoming more and more elaborate um, as they reveal um, the gender of the baby. <clears throat> but in this particular case and story, there is no bigger reveal than when Joseph actually reveals who he is to his brothers and God's plan in it. And I want us to pay attention to this because it's going to help us understand the nature and the road to reconciliation and uniting, reuniting. But it's also going to give us, it's going to help us to be in a position where we understand God at work even in what seems like some of the worst of times. And what I desire for this to do for all of us is that regardless of, regardless of how hard it has been, how terrible it gets, how difficult it may seem, that you understand through this account in Scripture and God revealing his plan that you see God at work and that you see God in control. See, this whole story, when we talk about the life of Joseph, I said this before, this is really about God at work at all times and in all situations. This is really about God bringing about his plan regardless of what man tries to do. And hopefully what that does for you today is that it allows you to stay encouraged when life takes that turn that you would rather it not. When you find yourself in a place that you would rather not be, as a matter of fact, that you totally detest, that you would love to avoid, and yet you find yourself in. And whether it be by your own hand or the hand of someone else, that you understand and know the sovereignty of God and God at work in and around the lives of his children. I have here Genesis 44 and 45, and you say, how on earth are you going to go through two chapters? Well, we know that we, we, we are going through this narrative. We are going through this story, and we will look at specific verses. We will not finish all of 45, nor will I go verse by verse. Y'all will be here till tomorrow. Yeah, um, but you'll be here without me. <laughs> or I would be here without you. Or maybe my brother Cameron would be here with me. But what we're going to do as we continue from last week 
is to see how God works to change us, to get our hearts in the right place so that we align with his plan and his will. And that's what excites me. As I read this, the part that gets exciting is that we can align with what God is doing and see the results. Father, I pray that as we dive into your word, Lord, that we would dive in with obedience and a willingness to humble our hearts to hear what you are saying. Father, I pray that all distractions, Father, we would put aside and that we would hear your word with humility, receive it with gladness, and Lord, to look for how, Lord, it can take root and grow in our lives. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. So as we know from last week in this change, God is using Joseph to change and to make a change in the lives of his brothers and in his family, God having done that over time with Joseph. We know that with all that he's gone through and has been through and all of the suffering and all of the unjust and unjust actions that have happened, that here we now have a more mature man who is not only able to lead a nation, an ungodly nation by that, but to lead a nation, but is also able to lead God using him to lead his family into reconciliation which was more important because God was doing a work in this family because it is whom he had made a covenant with and it would grow into bringing about the Messiah and the Savior of this world, God's plan coming into complete fruition. And so we see God at work, but he's using someone in a way, honestly, as we said before, that many of us would rather not be used. God, I would rather you accomplish your plan without me suffering. God, I would rather you accomplish your plan without me being treated unjustly. God, I would rather you accomplish your plan without me wasting, in our eyes, wasting all those years Apart from my family and the one I love and the things that I loved, I would rather you not do that. I would rather you use someone else and I just get the benefits. But what happens when God decides to use you? Are we willing? I had this question this week just hit me in the face. Are you willing? Or are you kicking, fighting, and scratching all the way to God revealing his plan, learning not much along the way, or do we end up like Joseph? So I put here the final test to reveal, because what this last test that Joseph puts upon them reveals to him and to themselves the change that God has brought about. And we know from verse 1 that, 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 that Joseph commanded the steward to really set up this plan, it was deception to where he would put his, 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 his shallot, his cup inside the bag after he's given them 
so much. And I remember he treated them gracefully. He gave them, he sat them down to dinner in his house. They ate, they learned that lesson of even though there is a, someone who receives more in grace, grace is grace. We saw that last week, that he bestowed much more on Benjamin when he sat them down and Benjamin received a greater portion but they were all sitting at the table undeserved of the meal that was put before them. And we learned last week, don't get mad when the grace God bestows on someone else looks like is greater or more than the grace that he's given you. We learned that grace is grace. And whether I get what I perceive as a little or a lot, None of it was deserved. And that helps you and I. We said last week that as we see people increasing and growing, that we don't get upset, God, that you've blessed them like this and me like this. That's only in our eyes. But that we realize and that we see that you've blessed us, period. And so he sends them on their way in chapter 44 And he puts this in because he is wanting to see how much have they changed? How much have they grown from when they sold their brother cold-heartedly? We say today, cold-blooded selling him. Have they changed? Are they going to fight For their brother and their family, are they going to reunite or are they going to go back to every man for himself? And we saw last week how Judah began to come up and to raise up as a leader when Judah was one that left the family right after they, right around that time when they sold Joseph, went down and had his little tryst and crazy time in chapter 38 and went and wickedly lived outside of God's will at the same time that he cold-heartedly suggested that his brother be sold into slavery and that they get some good money from it. And so now we see this Judah who was self-centered and selfish now begin to come around as leader when he wasn't the oldest, the oldest should have been the leader, but failed. And Judah now comes up and wants to begin to speak for the family and to sacrifice himself. And so they leave. And we know the story. He tells them, let them leave, catch up with them, and accuse them of stealing after being blessed graciously. And that happens and they get there. And so Joseph tests them on loyalty, sacrifice, and compassion for each other. Why? Because they were a group of brothers that were disloyal, that they lacked compassion, and had no loyalty for one another. Again, remember, we're talking about reunion and reconciliation. If there's going to be any reconciliation of this family and of yours, there are some things that are going to need to happen and to be in place. 
And there are many times that God will test us in them areas, not because God needs to see. We know he knows that already. He wants us to see where we are and others to see as well. And so they catch up with them. And when they find out in verse 10, he says, in essence, Joseph speaks up and says, look, look, we don't have it. We know we don't. Whoever it is, you know, that you find because he doesn't think that's going to happen. Let him go back with you as your slave. In verse 10, the steward says, he said, let it be as you say. He who was found with it, the shallot, the cup shall be my servant and the rest of you shall be innocent. You see what he is doing here. He was like, look. Hey, it's only one of y'all I'm trying to divide. The rest of y'all are free to go and you can go about your business because that's exactly what they did with Joseph. One of us can go. The rest of us are fine. And then, of course, verse 11, each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground and each opened his sack and he searched and beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Now we know that Benjamin was the one that Jacob did not want to send back because he was his only son he had left. And we know that was not true. He said the only son that he, of, of, of the wife that he loved, all you others didn't matter as much. Joseph struggled with that favoritism issue and sin. And so he said, in essence, I'm going to choose the one that I know that Jacob would die over if he doesn't come back. I love how God is helping all of them here. And so we also know, so it is found in Jude, it is found in Benjamin's sack, verse 13. Then they tore their clothes and they were now so distressed and every man loaded his donkey and they returned to the city. That is that first point is the final test was Joseph tested on loyalty, sacrifice and compassion for each other. They passed the first test. They all go back to Egypt because there are still some families where they would say, bruh, I don't know why you chose to steal that, but you on your own. You're not taking all of us down. But instead, they all, first step, they all pack up and go back. First test passed. Brothers have changed enough to where they were like, look, if he don't go back, we don't go back. If he goes down, we goes down. They've already changed. They're looking and saying, we are a family and we are concerned about every person in it. And so they get back and when they get back, they get back to Joseph's house. And Joseph pretends to be outraged. In verse 16, after they all go back to Egypt, they all are willing to become servants. And Judah said, what shall we say, my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? 
God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. Now understand this, not only were they willing to become servants, this is one of the first times Joseph admits publicly their guilt. Not the guilt of stealing the cup because he know they didn't steal it. He, he, and, and, and maybe he didn't know if Benjamin did, but it is believed greater that he is saying God is uncovering our guilt. It's the guilt of what they've done that was unconfessed about what they did to Joseph. They didn't know they were talking to Joseph. But you begin to see some repentance here. And you begin to see the change of heart. And Joseph is a different guy than he was back in chapter 38. Life will do that to you. And he sees the effect of their sin. They saw it the time when they came back when they first sold Joseph and they pretended that he was killed and they gave the robe and it says that their dad was inconsolable. Judah saw that. Although they still wanted to keep the lie going to protect themselves. Now what you see is a guy that says, I can't do this anymore. And then he says, he was going to send them back. I only want the man whose hand the cup is in. In verse 18, he says, then Judah went up to him. He drew closer and said, oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ear. And let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. And then he begins to tell the full story of what happened and how they agreed to bring back Benjamin, although their dad did not want it. And if they don't go back with him, that it is going to ruin and destroy his dad. You are seeing now because of what has happened and because of Joseph being who he is, you I mean, and, and, and God working in their life, you're beginning to see the change right in front of your eyes and the process of reconciliation happen in this man speaking for his brothers. He's repentant. He's humble. He's repentant. He publicly now accepts and is responsible for what he has done. And he is coming asking for mercy. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that how we gain reconciliation with the Lord? Is it through you and I continuing to connive and scheme and plan and try and get ourselves out of the hold? Or is it humbly just saying, look, Lord, I messed up. Man, and I've messed all of this up. What can I say? How can I clear my name? I, I can't. I'm done trying. I messed up, God. And now what he begins to do is he clears it. But then he also has compassion. Before where the relationship between them and their dad was like this. Now, you remember Judah was the one when we were looking at 43 when he told his father, if you had let us go, we could have gone and come back twice mad at him. Now what you see 
is a different guy because he says here at the end of 44, he says in verse 33, now therefore please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers for how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. See, when they first got out, he didn't care. Their father was inconsolable, but they weren't about to admit that they sold their brother into slavery. Now you're going, he was like, look, I can't go back. There is no way. And you see, you see the process of this. See, compassion comes even though Judah had compassion for his father's misplaced love because he loved Benjamin more than his, they were all his sons. And he created this mess. And now you have Judah now saying, yes, I know he loves him more than us, but I just don't want to see him torn apart. See, before, they, they hated Joseph. They saw, here comes the dude with the coat. And they hated him. And you also know by implication, they were mad at Jacob as well. But now what we see, how can I? I can't do it. You see that. Here's the process of reconciliation. It will change your heart. It will give you compassion, even for people that are wrong. Jacob wasn't right. Even for people that are wrong. See, when we continue to hold on to anger and we're mad at those that are in sin and we don't show compassion, boy, there's some hard-heartedness that may need to change in you and I. See, one of the things that the Lord helped me to see when it comes to the world, no, I don't like the evil that's going on. I don't. I don't like the evil that's being handed down at the hands of men and women. But for me to get angry and to hate on the lost is like being mad at a man drowning because he shouldn't have been out there. Why are you out there? I'm mad at you, bro, I'm dying. I'm mad at you. See, the issue becomes compassion comes from a heart that is humble, that is repentant, and that is forgiving, and that has been forgiven. Then you begin to have compassion. If you find yourself lacking compassion, Go before the Lord and to see where there may be some self-righteousness still anchoring in your life. Oh, I have to do it regularly. And I watch TV and get mad. I was just, Lord, you just burn them. I'm telling you, there's sometimes I'm just like, can you just end it? I don't let it come out my mouth now. It stays in my head. And what also comes in my head is, did I do that to you? Because if he ended it 
with some of the foolishness I did before he graciously brought me in, you'd have another pastor. See, the issue becomes compassion is the fruit of repentance and forgiveness. And so Judah was beginning to have compassion. See, it doesn't mean that what Jacob did was right. And for Joseph, it doesn't mean what, he brother, what his brothers did are right. It doesn't at all. I put here, Judah and his brothers are now repentant and begin to change. And at the end of this, I put, in order to reconcile, there must be sacrificial love. I mean, I'm sorry, there must be humility, repentance, forgiveness, sacrifice, compassion, and loyalty in some way on the, on the part of those involved. You may be the one that may have to lovingly sacrifice. You may sacrifice your peace of mind. You may sacrifice some actual material goods. You may sacrifice some time. You may sacrifice getting revenge. But it's going to call for some sacrifice. It's going to call from some humility. You will have to do that in order for reconciliation to happen. And for God, he had to do that. Did God take revenge? No. Was he forgiving? Yes. Was he loyal to us? He shouldn't have been, but he was. So not only was it the final test reveal, next one was Joseph's passionate reveal. Joseph now reveals God's plan and intentions, and he could be a part of it because the change had happened in his life. 45 starts off, verse 1, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and so he just couldn't do it anymore. He saw the change in his brothers. He saw the compassion of Judah, who they know he heard when, when he was in the pit and Judah said, let's sell him into slavery. And now we have a guy who is compassionately concerned about the brothers thinking that they had lost Joseph and he loses it. See, for some, if this was a Hollywood movie, the story would be, I've got you where I want, and all of you are in trouble. I'm going to close the deal. But instead, you get a guy, he is highly emotional, broken into pieces, and he begins to wail. He tells all of his servants and everyone to leave, and then he begins to to. To, to reveal himself, but I put it this way. Not only is he overcome with emotions, reuniting his brother, his forgiveness and growth allow him to reunite. He has forgiven them, and thus he can, now he can move to reunite with them. So he is emotional as he loves the fact that he is being reunited with his brothers but not everyone is excited at this time. 
He is unafraid to talk about their sin and hurt they've caused because he's not holding it against them. He says to them, and he wept aloud, and Joseph said to his brothers, verse 3, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And then, of course, I'm going to read the latter part in that in just a moment, but jump to verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please, because of their initial response. I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. See, now you make that statement to someone, and I don't know what he had to do because they probably didn't believe when he said, I'm Joseph. First of all, they'd be like, how do you know? Like, you know about Joseph? He says, I'm your brother Joseph, and I'm wondering if they're like, yeah, right. I'm Santa Claus. But then he says, come closer, draw near to me. Because there's a play there. They've been distant for so long. Joseph, the one who's been hurt, calls them to come near. Do you see the growth in that? See, the one who's hurt. No, no, no. It should be the one who hurt that should be bringing me close. No, sin doesn't work like that. But instead, what we get is the one who was hurt and is now forgiving. Now, again, he's not naive because he says to them, come close. I am Joseph, who you sold into slavery. Oh, I know. Oh, I know how you've hurt. Oh, I know what you did. That statement is loaded. Who you sold to Egypt. And all that it meant. And understand, here's what forgiveness allows you. Forgiveness allows you to grow and to mature. But look at his brother's response. Because sin will bring fear of both reprisal and revenge. In verse 4, what does his brothers do? It says here, um, I'm sorry, verse 3, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. See, at, you had two different responses. Joseph was emotionally just it, it, broken, but glad to be reunited with his brothers. And that seems so out of place, humanly speaking. I'm the one hurt. Why am I glad to see you? But instead, what we get from a man who has been, who has been, um, who has forgiven, who has matured, and who God has worked in his life, I'm happy to see you. And his brothers, who were just beginning to confess their sin, but not fully, they weren't happy to see him. What? Joseph, can you imagine just, I can't. Not only is our sin revealed, but the one who we hurt is in a position to hurt us now. 
He's in a position to destroy. And they are afraid. Why? Because they don't know and understand fully the work of forgiveness and the work of God in the life. And so when you've not experienced forgiveness and when you've been unforgiving, guess what happens? You are fearful of people taking revenge against you that you've hurt. You should be. And so he says, so they're dismayed. Wait, aren't you happy? No, you know what we did to him? But God is at work. I put it here, pay attention to the consequences of sin in righteousness. See, Joseph grew in righteousness. And it says throughout his time that Joseph, you know, was always in the presence of the Lord. He did what was right. He did what was right. He lived righteously, even though he was unjustly treated. He was lied on. He did what was right. And you see the consequences. You've seen a grown man here able to stand before those that hurt in, the, in this powerful, forgiving moment. That is the consequences of righteousness. Look at the consequences of sin. You see 10 brothers here, totally afraid. They are in trouble because their sin hasn't been dealt with. What is the example for you and I? Understand, if you keep living righteously in life as you grow and as you mature in Christ, there is this freedom about you. There is this freedom that causes you to grow and to handle people in ways that they don't think you're going to handle them. Uh, But let me tell you as well, if you continue to live in sin and you continue to disregard the ways of God, what it produces in you is this fearfulness, is this distrust, is this I can't, is this I'm not letting go. I don't know who to trust. I got to keep doing this myself. You keep looking over your shoulder. And lastly, we have here, Joseph reveals God's plan and his own forgiveness. And this I want us to pay attention to because there's a tension here at work. Joseph says, I am your brother who you sold into slavery, yet I want you to come near. I know what you did. There are consequences for that. You're living it out right now. And they were. Joseph weren't going to bring any more consequences. They thought he was, but he wasn't. But he just, but, 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 but hear what he is saying, though, that, 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 that there's a tension at work. I know what you did, and yet I know what God was doing right beside it. And we have got to pay attention to this because this will help us as we deal with one another and we deal with our world. I know the sin that exists, but I know the God of Scripture who is at work, who is greater than the sin that is at work. And if we grab that, Even in the face of great sin, we can work in great righteousness. Even in the face of great sin, we can live greatly in righteousness. Look at what he says, verses 4 and 5. 
I read verse 4, verse 5. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. And he knows that they're starting to be repentant and that they, are, that they regret what they did. They said, don't be angry, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And here's the key, verse 8, so it was not you who sent me here but God. Wait a minute. No, hold on. See, some of us be like, nah, see, that's not fair. No, they did that. They should own that, God. No, they did that. But what God was saying is, don't you think I could have stopped them if I wanted to? Don't you think I could have thwarted their plan? Don't you think I could have caused that not to happen? When we ask, where was God? Right there. And for the people that don't know God, where was God? Where he always is in sovereign control. God, how could you let, and you fill in the blank. And God says, I've always been there. I don't know why he chose not to stop in your case. In this one, I know he says, I was sending Joseph. See, you thought you were ending Joseph. God says, I was sending Joseph. And we have to understand that. When you have a sovereign God, if he is sovereign, and you are living righteously under his will and in his will, please know that he's not saying it will all be roses, that you won't experience suffering. You will. But what he is saying is that I am always sovereignly in control, even when humanity, when men or women come against you and actually hurt you. I'm still sovereignly in control and I'm at work and so he says to them look God sent me ahead he says that twice you didn't put me here God did I know they had to be scratching the heads see Joseph understands that God is at work and there's a tension just because God is at work doesn't mean I'm account I'm not accountable for my sins oh I am but God is still at work and because of that, Joseph was able to forgive. He was able to see past their offense and see the offensive move that the Lord was making. Joseph also understood God was overruling his brother's evil work. That's what we have to get. God was, and he can overrule whatever he chooses. And even if he allows you to suffer, and we know there are brothers and sisters in this world that have lost their lives standing for the faith. God has allowed it. And instead of getting mad with God, we lean in and trust God. I actually saw uh, several years ago, I had um, posted on social media this, this, this quote that I saw um, by Dr. John Piper, and it says, oh man, I almost went in, hold on guys, I'm going to do something weird, I'm going to get this, because I'm going to be able to find it real quick, and 
I think it applies greatly here. For those of you who are visiting, no, I don't use my phone in the middle of service. But I'm going to today. And I posted this. And it says this. Push against the darkness with tears, prayers, and deeds. Push against the darkness with tears, prayers, and deeds. But don't push against God. Trust God. Let me read that again. It came up for me that I posted this three years ago yesterday. Three years ago, yesterday. And I put it out. It said July 9th, 2019. And I put it out and I said, still applies today. Came up for me yesterday. Push against the darkness with tears, prayers, and deeds. But don't push against God. Trust God. And that's what happened here with Joseph. See, he pushed against the darkness because he trusted God. And you and I, when we are faced and surrounded by the darkness, Boy, we are tempted to blame God. We are tempted to push against God. We are tempted to say, God, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tired with you. God says, I'm at work. And my plan is being accomplished. Yeah, but Lord, it hurts. I'm at work. And my plan is being accomplished. And so for you and I today, this is what I love. Joseph reveals God's plan. God said, I sent you ahead. I was working on saving many. It wasn't just about you, but it included you because he changed Joseph in the process. Joseph wasn't this, I'm better than all of them hero. No, God changed him in the process. And he's changing you in the process as he is blessing many because of what he's allowing you to go through. God plans salvation, not revenge. He says, verse 9, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You see the salvation now that he can offer his family. Look, you have gone through some things or you will go through some things that God will use you in some way to bring salvation to many or even your family as you see him at work. You don't become embittered and you trust him. And finally, God's reconciliation can cause the world to take notice. After he cried, after he reunited with them, read 45 yourself. Verse 16, lastly, when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house about him being reunited with his family, it said it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Verse 17, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beast and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and and you shall eat the fat of the land. What? Are you kidding me? This is the world we're talking about. Because God is at work. You don't know what, I'm not saying he's always going to make it like this for you. He may not. 
It doesn't matter. He's going to make it as he chooses because he will save many. And if he uses you in the process, praise God. You've been used to help save many. So here's my question for us. Are we going to be reunited and reconciled first with God and then with others? Boy, it's going to take, it's going to take that humility, that repentance, that forgiveness, that being forgiven, that compassion, that loyalty, and that sacrificial love. And I'm going to tell you, it's not always going to feel good. I'm just warning you. It's not. But it'll be right. And as you see, the result of righteousness are huge. But also understand the results of sin are crippling. Look at the example of Joseph and his brothers. After the reveal, we're going to pick up here as what the Lord does afterwards. But God reveals his big plan. Y'all thought y'all were in control. All you did was mess up. Isn't that all of us? You thought you were in control. All you did was mess up. And God is saying, now will you graciously come back to me so I can heal you and possibly use you to reunite and to bring many to salvation? And here's the kicker, starting with your family. We love to go on foreign missions, saving the world. God wants to start with your family. Because when he has your family, boy, then you can be a great demonstration to the world of God's saving grace. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.